0: You are welcome to another exciting episode of CADA Matters. CADA Matters is an awareness-raising programme of CADA. CADA is an acronym for Church Against Domestic Abuse, a UK-based charity working to prevent and end domestic abuse, especially in Christian homes. Listen to this episode with Gracilis so as to build healthy relationships and keep your home and relationships abuse-free. Again.
1: Oh, thank you. Good evening. Welcome, Dr. Wani. It's good to good see easy. you again.
0: Thank you. Thank I do you. I hope
1: you've had a lovely day so far. I've, I tried to look bright and sunray. I'm trying to copy <laughs> the color you used last week, but obviously, <laughs>
0: i have changed <laughs> you <it> on. Again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have moved on. Why, why I won't copy? So, but, well, this is me here. Hello. Welcome. Is that for lack of me? Welcome. Thank you for joining. Good evening, everyone. This is another Thursday evening and I'm really excited to be here because tonight we have our guest from last week. Um, she has come again. We actually asked for two sessions by the time we come, you know, trying to get her because she's quite very busy. And we're happy that she obliged us. And so we're going to continue from where we stopped last week. But before we go there, like every good teacher would like to remind us what we learned although some people are not here some people are listening for the first time and then they'll have to go back now and listen to what we did last week but last week we started a new series and it was on adverse childhood experiences mm. we've realized here I said one of the things that affects people is what has happened to us in our childhood and the good thing is that there was a study done in the US of adverse childhood experiences and they found out that from what we learned last week that in adverse when it comes to adverse childhood experiences those are adverse experiences that occur during childhood and we said last week that they could either be direct or indirect There are 10 different types the direct ones such as things happening to the individual and then indirect ones, things that didn't happen to the individual. Example, if an individual had a member of their family that was into drugs, a member of their family that was incarcerated, a member of their family that had mental health problems, or if the person direct adverse childhood um, experiences such as physical abuse, You know, emotional abuse and sexual abuse, any of those things happen directly to you as a child, there is almost a guarantee that it's going to affect the way you relate. And that's why we're here discussing, because part of the adverse childhood experiences could be a child going through or being in a home where domestic abuse is going on. Another thing we looked at then, since we're looking at children, we looked at what is the toxic stress. Um, syndrome and how does that affect children I wouldn't be going into that at this moment we also looked at adverse childhood experiences wanted to see how big is the problem you know how how exactly is the problem one of the things of the one on last week is that it is highly underrated although I think the very first study that was done in the most of the participants of the study actually admitted to having one to three of the adverse childhood experiences that were evicted, and the impact actually varies. The more adverse childhood experiences, the more in that number ten that you have, the more you 're going to have more consequences and more impact and it depends on how early you were exposed to those adverse childhood experiences. Those are several things that would be meditating factors as it were uh, concerning the consequences, and this was something we looked at briefly last week. This week, however, we're going to be taking it further because last week we stopped trying to talk about um, the different factors that could stand as weak factors. I think what are those things that could predispose one to having adverse childhood experiences? We looked at individual weak factors, and we sort of ran out of time. <laughs> so back here today, we're going to continue looking at what the weak factors are, perhaps the community weak factors for someone to have adverse childhood experiences but before we start all of that we don't want to forget our manners we would like our guest so we need to please introduce herself because i can tell you that some people
0: will still be thinking why
1: should we listen to her so
0: please thank you my name is Juanwala Akintola and i am passionate about healthy minds so i write speak and train on mind health which is what fuels setting up free realms uk limited where the focus is on empowering minds so that lives can be enriched, recognizing that yes, life happens, but in spite of that, we can still move on and be the best version of ourselves. So part-time, I also work in the NHS as a child and adolescent psychiatrist. So I see a lot of challenges that children experience and then can relate it to what happens in adulthood. So glad to be here with (laughs) Keda.
1: Thank you. I'm sure you all. You know those debates we used to do in secondary school. Uh, I hope I've not convinced, confused you, but i convinced you. Uh, she wasn't out to convince us. She's, she's her own authentic self. And we have heard her. she's passionate about my health. So Dr. Wonwoo, we'll just start quickly today. We're looking at what are some of the, yes, an individual might have some weak factors, but are there some things in the community, as it were, that would Push someone more into having um, adverse childhood experiences. Would you say that there are some factors that might play in a community that could cause
0: that? Thank you. Yeah, I think the best way to start with anything is always to look at what does community stand for. Mm-hmm. So looking at anything, it's chunking it down to the root to the roots of the issue. So what does community stand for? So a community that upholds healthy values will be protective. Will enhance um, nurturing of healthy minds but where is a community because what forms a community is shared values shared norms shared customs and where those customs are detrimental to mental health then people can experience undue adversity just because of the values the community upholds. and part of it could be things like doctrines and in particular i will say religious communities Because I think more and more, we we realize that. So where communities believe, for instance, in not um, integrating with healthier values or where life has moved on and people are not recognizing that and then there are differences, there's division. What then happens? Abuse may um, start. Or where you have someone being domineering, that like auto, like um, what, what, what's it called leaders who are very domineering controlling exactly Mm -hmm. so you have things like coercive control indoctrination and all that then affects it breeds conflict and abusive behavior starts and with abuse then you get those adverse experiences people don't have a voice people resort to unhealthy coping strategies and you know the consequences then follow
1: So, we've said then that um, our community can also contribute, as it were, towards adverse childhood experiences if the community has a sort of value that, as it were, um, indoctrinates and actually hides and shields some things, makes some subjects a uh, taboo. Or make some subjects difficult for people to be open about then the tendency is that if adverse childhood experiences are occurring they would not be brought to the light if a community as it were, is not a strong meat community if you have a community where there's poverty if you have a community where there is crime if you have a community where people don't know each other people don't talk to each other people in the community don't have shared values they don't mix they don't care about each other then it's possible for things to be happening in one household and nobody is looking out and if no is looking at guess what? Things could be happening that bad, and it would be happening that bad, and nothing will be done about it. So there's a need for us to realize that even in the communities we are, you know, we can do something there that could change and could transform the lives of the children. Because recognizing in a community that listen, there, there's something here, this community is deprived, there's poverty in this community, a community that has community that has violence, as it were, would predispose children also to adverse childhood experiences. And and when we're talking about adverse childhood experiences, I'm sure we are all aware that the reason why we're talking about this is is it does have impacts. It does have consequences on the lives of the people. And this is Dr. One is going to just expand and let us know about what the consequences of adverse childhood experiences are and why we are concerned.
0: Yeah. So we talked about this a bit last week in terms of the impacts could be in different areas. It could be physical and it could be at any stage. So say for instance, a pregnant woman who's exposed to domestic abuse, what happens to the developing brain? So there can be physical consequences. Now, even even for the born child, a child in nursery years, who's been physically abused, the physical damage has an impact, uh, the, the physical abuse has an impact on the child's emotional well-being. And then what you may then start seeing is how it reflects in the child's engagement in education, the child's social interaction, unhealthy behaviors being learned because children mirror what they see. So the child then may start doing the same thing that he's witnessing at home, whether it's, for instance, violence at home or in the community. So the child learns that behavior just as we all learn the same language we speak every day carries it on so physical consequences emotional consequences the impact on mental health so you might find the child now not doing well in school um witnessing abuse at home then becoming withdrawn then gets depressed and it could go as bad as we we hear about children committing suicide Mm -hmm. so that then happens as well so emotional um, impacts, emotional consequences, and then the behaviors the child may adopt to cope. Seeking solace in other relationships. So you could have things like even teenage pregnancy because a child who grows up unhappy in an environment that's not nurturing, not secure. After a while, the child seeks security and acceptance outside of that abusive sense. Who goes to a place where it's painful? And you might then find What they think is actually giving them security is harmful. So one of the consequences, again, is unhealthy relationships and things like joining gangs, behaviors like, you know, seeking comfort from drugs. Because then, let's admit it, for them, they will tell you, give them temporary respite. Mm -hmm. Why be in pain if the drugs can help? And then that goes on again, can't hold down a job, becomes a liability to society, violence, gang behavior, antisocial behavior, and then the risk of early death. Because with all these unhealthy behaviors, what's the impact on the child's health? You might have things like diabetes, high blood pressure, and ultimately with everything, not depression. So mental health complications, physical health complications, social complications, can't um hold down any healthy relationship and eventually early death thank you so
1: much yes i I did see that even while i was reading and seeing some of the consequences that those people who have actually had a you know growing up tend to have poor health outcomes at the end of the day you know there's some sort of communities that have this happening have um, social social inequalities, health inequalities, and there's no, as it were, benefits for having adverse childhood uh, experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's a need for us to think about how do we mitigate this effect? And, And if someone knows somebody who... As it were perhaps, and that's what of our concern here, if as a child, someone listening to us today was in a home that had domestic abuse because we cited that living and growing up in a home of domestic abuse is an adverse childhood um, experience. If someone finds themselves in that situation, what can they do to ensure that they don't end up as it were like the, the statistics? You know of what would happen to people most people will go through adverse childhood experience, and is there something we can do you know knowing that this adult that we're now interacting with is an adult that was affected really um, negatively as a
0: child yeah it's important to know that like we said last week acs are everybody's business community and individual and what we do or do not do can help alleviate the impact on the person who's affected, on the victim. So being there for a child, and I always say the answer to everything, the first thing is awareness. Awareness of supportive measures, awareness of ACEs, awareness of the impact of ACEs. So as an adult, yeah, if we are aware that a child might be going through something, or going through any form of stress being there being the safe adult a child can come to now children may think adults are generally safe and it may it's we know it's not always the case mm-hmm. that's why we have issues with grooming so it's important to let people know that they are designated people for this role they're safeguarding officers in organizations, whether it's in the extracurricular activities whether it's in the school setting that the child can go to and speak and things will be held in confidentiality. So that awareness that there's a safe person to go to is so important and all spreading the word. School counsellors, they know that there's a need to ensure confidentiality. So encourage children not to hold things in to speak with a designated safe person. Because some adults, like I said, may pose as the safe person and then we end up with grooming and the complications. Yeah, And it's the same thing as a community as well, spreading the word. And yes, what can we do? I would say, for instance, if you had a broken bone, you would not go to your pastor to say, please mend my bone. So it's important for all of us to know that there are specialist services for every condition. The dentist has the role. Um, with domestic abuse there are professional bodies and it's not just um i know in other in some countries it may be difficult but then that the onus then is for us who know better to let people know don't go to just anybody if you feel if you're going through abuse look for a safe person to speak to And being mindful, yes, all of us need to be more aware that these things are real. Now, if it's an adult and we feel it's because of um, what may have happened in earlier years, the, the truth is the way it shows up can be so different in everybody. And being there to listen is more important than being there to provide the intervention. To listen and to signpost to the appropriate um body or person is much more important than because some what we find we may find in a lot of communities and also human nature where you got to help to provide a solution oh why don't you do this why don't you do that meanwhile with sensitive things like domestic abuse and i i, I say more about domestic abuse because i know Canada's, um looks into that a lot which is important and i thank you for it it's so so important that it's the right person that's being spoken to and the right um the right the person is being signposted to to the right organization that's it, that's it really okay
1: so it, it's not just enough for us to recognize that these things have happened to us uh, there is help i think uh, i think it comes also that's the uh, community uh, mental health thing children yeah. and
0: adult mental health service yes yes
1: so they are there to help um, right here in Scotland, we have several bodies uh, we actually have trauma training and trauma-informed work, uh, force, work force. So even in our workplaces, the government is helping to ensure that um, people are equipped to be able to recognize and handle these several things and signpost people, as it were, to the right place. And because this is cada where most times, most of the things we do we also want to have a fair perspective on it um i think that you know i remember the other time there was someone was trying to come to the country and then there was a strong petition against her because at one particular point in time on national tv you know they they had some children they said they were witches and all of that so when she wanted coming to the country here there was a strong petition because people said no this person is an advocate of children domestic abuse, she should not come. And so um, sometimes when people go through adverse childhood experiences, somehow as our fate, uh, we sort of turn around things we say to them, perhaps they need deliverance, we say to them, I know especially when it comes to perhaps sexual you know adverse childhood the sexual comment or depending on anything that happens there's just a certain where we take it and we turn it around in the faith there's a way we do um what do you call it again victim blaming and victim shaming okay. you know that turns around the whole thing you find the you find a housemaid being harassed by the is it the the house now yes by the by the ogre of the house i'm sorry for those who don't understand what ogar means so it means that her male employer you know the husband in the house harassing the housemaid, and the housemaid perhaps goes to the lady to say oh this is what your husband is doing and then the woman goes bananas and she says no that's not my husband you're lying and several things yes of course there are some houses not all the house they say see the triples most times this is actually occurring. So there are several things that occur that um, come to the church, and it seems we're not getting it right in that area. And uh, Dr. Wally is here. She's a specialist. She's going to help us. What exactly can the church do when it comes to adverse childhood experiences? Are there some methods you think that we are using that are not helpful? Are there some things you think we should stop doing, and are there some things you think we could do better or start doing?
0: I think one thing I'd say is, like the Bible says, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And sometimes when evidence is, uh, someone makes a complaint, it's not because the people who are being informed don't recognize that this is a possibility and this indeed is the truth from what's being presented. It's because it's not convenient. It's not convenient to think somebody in a high position has done this. So what can we do? How can it be said? How can it be heard that this person did this? So rather than being truthful, the the focus then becomes on preserving the image of the church or the image of the status of the person Mm. rather than the victim. Mm. The question is, who did Jesus die for? And in not acknowledging that, that Jesus Christ shed his blood for that person, that victim, and that God is a God of justice and God hates oppression, the focus then becomes on preserving the image of the institution and not the truth. And that's where the church, in my opinion, gets into complications. If we focus on the truth, which is what the Bible also says, Proverbs 16 says, These six things does the Lord hate a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent you know, um, you know, blood, shed feet that are swift to run to evil. Mm-hmm. And we see these things. And when we look at maybe like things that have happened in the past, you can see the traits in the person. That this person is arrogant and that's why he's likely to treat his wife like this or his spouse like this. But because of the position the person holds and what the world will say that this is happening in the church again. Unfortunately, covering up that kind of worms, eventually it explodes. And God isn't smiling at it because God is not a God of lies. And the truth will prevail. So that's the one thing. And speaking up, Proverbs 31 says, we shall speak up for those who are oppressed. Those who are appointed to destruction. God talks throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament. God is a God of justice. God does not like people being oppressed or abused. And that's why the Bible says, God hates divorce. Because God hates abuse. But people don't look at the layer beneath it. They look at, oh, divorce the paper the process but what led to the point is god hates abuse the the church does not acknowledge that um the bible says god hates a lying tongue god hates pride god hates those things and of all those things it's the god hates divorce but the key thing so the church needs to focus more on the truth what is the truth if there's abuse let's call it abuse if there's pride let's call it pride before god resists the person and things go worse so we will know the truth and the truth will set us free the truth is god hates oppression god hates abuse and if the church will stand by scripture we will save more lives because things can then be nipped in the board so if before someone gets married for instance you know that this person's character is not befitting of Someone who will be responsible in the home. Rather than think, oh, you know, it would make it look like a good ministry. She's in the choir and he's, a, he's an osher. <laughs> you <know>? It's true. <laughs> it's like, Come together, it looks good. You will tell the person you need to deal with this. There's anger in your life. The way you explore, there's pride, there's arrogance. And until that is sorted, if they need to, then it would have to be done first. So it's really the truth and recognizing that God does not smile on victimized people being downtrodden, which is why God said to the woman who was said, the service woman was caught, caught in the very act of adultery. Jesus said, whoever does not have anything, cast the first stone. Whose side was he on? So God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. And that's the same grace we have received that has helped us to stay in love with god in the church is the same grace and mercy we need to show to people and at the same time call evil evil and not call it another and not sugarcoat it because of what we want to present okay
1: that's fine thank you so much i think that another thing that we can do as a church is do what the government is doing, which is um, develop trauma-informed services. And and this should also spread to our Sunday school. It should spread to the Sunday school teachers that teach the children. They should be able to recognize that um, there's something not quite right with this child. You see some children, they always come late to Sunday school. You see some children, every time they come, they are not looking happy. If you notice that the child is not looking happy, not their usual self. Then if, if, if you know if you recognize some of those signs I just noticed that because the thing one of the things about adverse childhood experiences is, that, is the fact that it also has some behavior modification you see things you see that child might actually be the violent child in the class and you, you just notice that this child is always angry. Some, if you just take out the time, if if we're trauma informed, if our Sunday school working force, the people who deal with children have all of this training, because it's not just enough to have the spiritual thing, there's a need for there to be knowledge, you know, so that while one is in the class, then one can recognize, one can pick up some things, and then picking up those things can help to inform those concern and then the intervention that is needed can be done because sometimes it's just when the children you realize that everything is not well in the house because the, you know children can just tell you oh my father and mother just fought before we came but father and mother are coming in and holding hands and greeting bless you bless you bless you and, and we, we talked about it last week about how these things this experiences affect children so there's a need for us even as a church in our children department to make sure people are trained and not just the children department even with the young adults with the teenagers make sure that there is this safe and the ability for them to be able to on um, burden, especially if it is difficult to um, burden at home. Mm-hmm. If we want to talk about adverse childhood experiences, I can assure you that we can be here for the next two mm-hmm. hours. But you know, we know that we we, we know that we're not up Paul. support. You know, he was the one who preached and preached and preached to someone, you know, late into the night, the person fell down from the I went, person fell, person mm-hmm. that, and he got up and he went to wake up the person at this point in time we would not want any such experiences to happen so we're looking and keeping our eyes on the clock yeah. we'll not be able to do all of that time but we hope that um our viewers and our listeners especially those that will come later have been able to understand what we've said. I like what Folakemi has written. Folakemi has said that we must take care of the developing brain, because that's something that Dr. Wonu pointed at in Some of these things, sometimes we are waiting for it to start, but they actually start where, 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 below, 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 even from when the child, you know, is still in their mother's womb, the child could actually be experiencing some things things that could be happening could be affecting the child so this is where we're going to draw the curtain We will ask um, dr Wonu to give us her final parting words and for those who are joining us for the first time we want to say a big welcome and um, several people come and several people listen later on and then because we are now on podcast is something you can listen on the go if you check on apple on amazon or spotify or anchor or even on Google Podcast, if you just type in "Cada Matters," you should be able to see our episodes. But before we go, we would like to ask Dr. Onu to one should share with us her parting words. Are I know the parting words are very. So <laughs> okay. This is not to say she's not coming back here <laughs> some time or the other, but for now, Yes.
0: Yeah. No, I just say sometimes it can be difficult to have these conversations especially in church settings you know if someone if you're the friend of a pastor and you think the child is being um, neglected how do you people find that so difficult because they might feel like you're confronting the person so what often what helps is assigning having a designated person for Mm -hmm. safeguarding issues. So if someone in the church spots any concern about any child or even people's relationship, you can take it to the safeguarding person who will then know how to deal delicately with it, protecting the people who have reported Mm -hmm. so that their relationship is not destroyed. At the Mm -hmm. same time, objectively and professionally addressing the matter to give, you know, a healthy outcome for all involved. Because sometimes saying those things can become messy sometimes oh is this person that said that but if we things are done decently and in good order and people are in their right offices you have a a designated safeguarding person in every organization in the church and i would recommend this organization 31 8 it's called they are there to help charities with safeguarding and they are available 24 7 so if the safeguarding person, the designated safeguarding person has a concern, you can call them anytime for advice. So it's important that things are done decently and in good order. People's offices are recognized for what it is. So the pastor may not be equipped to deal with sensitive safeguarding issues. The pastor knows this is the person who's been trained for that. The church generally needs to be aware, but there's nothing like someone who is focused on that issue. So those would be my parting words for all of us to keep educating ourselves on adverse childhood experiences and the impact and to also recognize the services and individuals in our network that are trained to deal with this issue so we can signpost appropriately. Mm-hmm. We should make use of the resources
1: we have in Absolutely. the house. Absolutely. Yes, we should make use of the resources we have in the mm-hmm. house. Um, having dealt with adverse childhood experiences, next week we're going to be joined by, wait, I think Dr. Oh gosh, don't think forgetting her name. She's been here before, but she's coming back. We're going to be looking at domestic abuse and children counseling. So perhaps you think your children have encountered domestic abuse. They've seen how things wear in your home and you listen to this adverse childhood experiences and you're thinking, oh my goodness, what can I do? What should I do? Next week, um, Dr. Badi, me, I believe, should be here with us to talk on domestic abuse and children counselling. That's what we're going to be, that's the next thing we're going to be taking and dealing with. And I would then join us to kindly join and listen. And uh, I'll say big thank you once again to everyone for joining. A big thank you to all those who would listen again. Thank you. we see you out there. Don't just listen, share and like our content because that is one of the ways to spread the word and to raise awareness and to get people to do the right thing. Until we come your way again, this is Graciela signing off from CADA Matters. CADA is an acronym for Church Against Domestic Abuse and we stand here to say that God hates abuse.
0: We hope you enjoyed and learnt from today's session. Till we come your way again, remember, God hates abuse. There is no excuse for abuse. The church, which is you and I, say no to domestic abuse.